Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Dan, and uh, I get the joy and the privilege of talking to you from the Bible today, and this is part five of our sermon series we're calling Stirk, or Strength, and uh, we're looking at only ten verses uh, in, from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And uh, so we've been given about two verses each as preachers. This is part five. Well worth listening to the other parts and trusting it's going to be well worth listening to me today. But you can let me know at the end. So if you would like some strength, keep listening in. I am just getting myself organized here. Let me start by reading these verses. So it's from Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, and I've highlighted the parts that I get to speak to us from today. And it reads, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul asks, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul has written that he's an ambassador, ambassador in chains. So actually, he's writing this letter from prison. He was imprisoned for preaching what he believed, which was a different uh, version of peace to that which the Romans believed at the time. And he's going on to tell us that the battle that we're to armor up for is not a physical one, but it's a spiritual one. That, like armor though, it's necessary for battle. The armor isn't just, you know, to make yourself look intimidating to the enemy or to create uniformity so you know who they are. Predominantly, primarily, it's about protecting you. It's about keeping you alive. It's about stopping the army from being defeated. And so we need this armor. This is kind of serious stuff that Paul is writing about. And he's telling us that this armor is partly for defense and it's partly for offense. So the shield of faith is to distinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. The sword of the spirit is to strike a blow for truth. There was the breastplate of righteousness, 
which is for protection, but it's also for identity, that we know whose we are. Today, we're talking about shoes. Shoes are a big deal to many people. Shoes are important. I have put on my business shoes today because I thought it might help me get in the frame of mind of doing some business today. Shoes can change history. So Nike recently developed a shoe that allowed a runner to get so close to breaking the marathon for under two hours. We're kind of talking about combat boots, that'd be the modern equivalent, but obviously in Roman days it was combat sandals. So we want to put on the right footwear today. So my kind of first section I'm talking under, I'm calling it lace up. We want to put on these shoes. Because Jesus wants to give us strength to speak. That was the title of the preacher I was given, strength to speak. And in order to do that, he wants to equip us with super grippy sandals. Paul tells us to armor up with the right shoes. And the phrase that we came across in Ephesians 6.15 was that we want to have feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Actually, I think the Dutch translation can help us. It talks, because it's a bit of a strange phrase. The Dutch translation is that we have a commitment to the gospel of peace, like sandals on our feet. And when Paul's writing this, he's got in mind Isaiah 52.7. And there, Isaiah is prophesying and saying, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings, who publishes peace. This is what Paul's saying we want to do, that our feet can be beautiful as we are messengers of peace. So in Isaiah, the original context, they didn't have mobile phones or satellite communication. They would send a runner, they'd send a messenger or a herald with the news that the battle had, was over or the battle was turning. The battle was won. And you can kind of picture this, this runner, not in his Nikes, but doing his best to get as fast as he can to the king to tell him the good news. And when he came close, when he was in earshot of the city, he'd literally be crying out, peace or good tidings, salvation, your God reigns. So this messenger's coming to announce the end of war, the peace now reigned. It's obviously a welcome message. And so Isaiah's writing that, you know, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. Now, it wasn't obviously about his feet, it's about the beauty of the message, but still, there's this sense that this guy, this is brilliant what he's brought to us. Paul likes to use this verse again and he quotes it in Romans 10, uh, 14 to 15. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the sandals or combat boots that we're to put on is this readiness, a preparedness, a commitment to announce this message of peace, to be ready to be like sent messages 
ready to deliver the message. Now, like every other piece of armor we've talked about over the last four weeks, it's a picture of us putting on Christ, that we clothe ourselves in him, that actually he's the sandals, but he's also the message. Christ was the ultimate herald and the ultimate bringer of peace. So kind of application number one, if we're here and we're a Christ follower, we get to put on these shoes. We wanna be ready to bring the message. These shoes aren't for defense or protection or uh, these shoes are the message. And actually if you're listening in and you're just keen to explore the claims and teachings of Christ, hopefully this shouldn't be a surprise to you. You know, if this really is the good news of peace that we as Christ followers would say that it is, this shouldn't be a surprise to you that we wanna strap it onto us, that we wanna be serious about spreading this good news. And as we strap on these shoes, we can remind ourselves that our feet are beautiful. We can remind ourselves that this is a, a gift. Uh, it's gospel literally means good news. It's a gift to give people this good news. They may choose to receive it, they may not. So we lace up our shoes and then we're gonna speak up. We're called to go and tell. And throughout the Bible, we're called many times to go and tell of this good news. We're called by Jesus to do it proactively. And then Peter writes later and says we do it reactively. But when Jesus tells us to do it proactively, he does so in Matthew uh, 28, 18. It's called the Great Commission. This is the great sending of all Christ followers. He writes, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus tells us to do, to go and make disciples. And obviously we are disciples, so we're disciples making disciples. But Peter tells us to be ready as well. In 1 Peter 3:15, he writes, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I'm hoping that kind of under this section of speaking up, I would love us to be doing it with gentleness and respect. Because speaking is how I was saved, it's more than likely how you were saved. And that's what those early verses in Romans talked about. You know, how can anyone hear? How can anyone believe unless they're told? I wouldn't be here speaking to you today if my parents hadn't told me about Jesus, if my Sunday school teacher hadn't told me about Jesus. I needed to hear so I could know, so I could respond. This is not the complicated part. This is why Liberty Church exists, because we've got a mission. Our mission is to speak up to Amsterdam about Jesus. We believe that only through believing in Jesus will true liberty be found. We believe our actions are super important. I don't, I don't want to say they're not. How we live our life as a Christian is important, but our words are essential. 
If you're like me, at this point, you are coming up with a number of reasons why you won't want to do this and why this is hard. The first one for me is I often don't know what to say. The good news is that Paul in verse 19 and 20 that we read at the beginning, that is what he's saying. That's what he's asking for prayer for. Even though Paul has given some amazing sermons, you can read them and in different styles with kind of different arguments, like he was an accomplished speaker, but still he says that he's dependent on God's help for speaking. Paul had had training, he'd had all this experience, but he's super humble. He says, you know, he wants us, or he wanted the Ephesians to pray for him in the words that he should speak with. And we can apply that to ourselves, that actually we can pray for one another to have the right words to speak. Paul once bored someone to the point of death, that he spoke for so long they fell out of a window. Maybe they were super tired, maybe it wasn't Paul's fault, but you know, maybe that's why he wants prayer. But it also means that perhaps we don't have to be super engaging all the time. And uh, we want to be reliant on the message that we're bringing, not on our delivery. So you may not know what to say. You may say, you know, I don't feel confident to speak up. And again, Paul helps us because twice he asked the Ephesians to pray for him to have boldness. Again, I think Paul was probably one of the boldest people I knew. He was prepared to be put in chains for this message. Paul uses this phrase that he wants boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And he says proclaim because this isn't just information, but actually this causes a reaction. This gospel story, this good news causes a reaction within people. And he says that it's a mystery because only God can reveal it to people's hearts. You know, we read the verse earlier that faith can appear in people's hearts when they hear it. But actually, we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know who that's going to happen with. And Paul acknowledges this too in Romans 10. He says, not everyone accepts the good news. But we keep telling people, and he kept telling everyone. And this message is for Amsterdam folk. It's a message that's so relevant for us today. Paul again writes in Romans 1, he says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. So he's saying to every nationality, and it doesn't matter how intelligent they are, what he's saying is this message is for everyone. Paul's obligated to everyone to bring the message. He goes on, that's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Amsterdam to in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So when you read about Amsterdam's history, you'll see that it's responded to the gospel and you, you can look at all the old churches around. Once they were full, they had people in them, people worshiping Jesus. And as a leadership team, we're praying and we're believing that now is a time for the gospel to be received by people in Amsterdam, that hearts are open here for this message. That this message, like Paul said, this message has power. 
Power to change lives, power to change Amsterdam. You may say, I don't actually know what the message is. It's simply that through believing in Jesus, we can have eternal forgiveness, belonging, and purpose. To put it another way, true liberty is found in Jesus. And this is liberty to live out our most authentic life. If you're a Christ follower here, you'll have heard this news and you'll have responded to it. And I want to ask you to think, what, what was that good news? What was the, the story? What, how was it put to you that made you want to respond? Because that's your unique story that you can share with anyone. For me, I'd phrase it around the idea that actually when I was young, I wanted to live for something significant. I wanted to be significant. I wanted to be part of the team. I wanted to be accepted. And although I tried in different places, it was only when I heard the gospel of Jesus and saw his family and their mission that I knew I was home, that I knew I'd found what I wanted to live the rest of my life for. We want to be engaged with what's the good news that others around us might need to hear. You may ask yourself, do I have to tell people? Couldn't I you know, just invite them to come and see for themselves? To which the answer is yes and yes. We get to do both. And there's this great little story uh, in John 1 where Philip, who's become a disciple of Jesus, heard, hears the news and then he wants to go tell his mate, Nathaniel. It reads, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and so did the prophets, Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth. This was the good news that Philip had heard. This is what he'd been living and waiting for. And Nathaniel responds with utter skepticism and pushback. And he says, look, can anything good come out of Nazareth? To which Philip doesn't get defensive or talk about all the good things that were going on in Nazareth. He just simply says, come and see. And I think this is a great model for us to imitate. We can simply say, come and see. You know, Philip doesn't try and pressurize his mate he just says, come and see, see for yourself. And I think this is helpful for us because in this come and see, we're trusting Jesus to do kind of all the heavy lifting. We're trusting Jesus to change people's hearts. We get to go and tell. We get to tell people about this good news and then we can invite them to come and see for themselves. We don't have to uh, force them into this. We don't have to make converts ourselves. We let Jesus do this. And we can invite others to come and see our church community. We've run an alpha course, which is a great way to invite people to come and see. We'll be running another one again in September. You can invite people to come and join us here in the room or watch the live stream or join your community group if you're part of one. Or simply just come and have a dinner with some mates. And you might have some Christian mates there. 
I did this with uh, a, a friend of mine. He wouldn't say he's a Christ follower, but he was kind of interested in what I did and what was going on. And eventually, after I'd asked him uh, a few times, because he kept coming up with reasons why he was busy, and, and so I, I didn't force anything upon him, but I kind of gently and respectfully uh, just said, you know, would this weekend be a good weekend to come along and see us? And eventually he said, no, no, I'm there, I'm there. This weekend I can do it, thanks so much for, for asking. And he came, and I was there feeling very self-conscious that he was, you know, in, in our church, and I didn't know what he was going to make of it, and I wanted it to be a positive experience, and he just came away, and he said, wow. He said, wow, I felt the love of that community and the joy of that community. I've never felt that anywhere else before. Now, he didn't then follow it, and I recognized Jesus as my Lord and Savior, like Nathaniel did. But I know that he took a step closer to Jesus. So this starts, our speaking up starts by making a decision. By choosing to commit to being an intentional news bringer, an intentional herald. And this is kind of a, a once and for all decision that's followed by many daily choices. Acknowledging that our faith isn't actually a private matter, but this is the best news we've got to share. And then we regularly choose to pray, seek out opportunities to bring news, to be news bringers for him, to put on this, these shoes. It's a bit like when I occasionally decide I'm going to go for a run. I make the decision, but at that point it is just an idea. And often after that point there are many other things that become more important. But if I then begin to put on the running gear and especially the shoes, then it's like my body knows what's going to happen and I'm committed. When I put the shoes on, I know I'm going to go for a run. I have been known to put everything on apart from the shoes and then get distracted. The shoes are important to put on, but sometimes it's this sheer decision of the will. My heart, you know, isn't usually wanting to run. It wants the effects, the after effects of the run being fit and being healthier, but it doesn't want to go through the pain. And sometimes we kind of need to lead ourselves into this and say, no, okay, I'm going to choose to do this. I'm going to choose to speak up, and it starts with a decision. But then with that, we hold on to the fact that only Jesus changes hearts. We don't have to persuade everyone. Belief happens in the heart. And actually, as I was making friends with a, a guy at work, he... Uh, when he heard it, I was a Christian, he, he said to me, does that mean you want to convert me? And I said, I would love for you to believe in Jesus, but I am not going to try and convert you. That's for God to do. That's for, for him to change your heart. And it, he looked at me puzzled. And then he just carried on, and conversation carried on. And it just struck me at that moment, he knew where I was coming from, and he was comfortable with it. He knew that I had an agenda, but he knew that I wasn't going to force anything upon him. He knew that I was going to wait for God to change his heart. And maybe you're here today and you wouldn't say you're a Christ follower. Well, I'd encourage you, you know, speak to God. Allow him to change your heart. Invite him to change your heart. Because he'll do that. And so it kind of, that conversation then took the awkwardness out of the friendship. 
I felt like I could be genuine and sincere about my faith. That I, you know, when I was telling him when, what I'd done at the weekend, I didn't pause before telling him I'd gone to church because I thought he might think that I thought that he might respond to it. You know, we can get into these knots, but I was just able to talk about it and he was able to hear it and know. So, we trust Jesus with that. We just have to kind of lace up and speak up and I've said it a few times already, but we want to be friends first. This again is, is not, this is probably the biggest open secret of the church is that most of us are here, most of us in Amsterdam have responded because a friend invited us. Occasionally, people have come to us who have had dramatic dreams or encounters or uh, you know, other ways, but most of us are here because someone became our friend and told us about Jesus. And this is why this is so important for us to do. We want to make friends wherever we are. We want to be intentional about it. We don't ever want to see people as projects. We want to offer genuine friendship. We can do this in so many ways. We can join clubs. We can join gyms. We can strike up conversations with people. We can take biscuits to our neighbors. I've seen that if you have a dog, then you automatically have a right to talk to anyone else with a dog. It's like this weird thing. Like there's this subculture of dog walkers and I think they're probably plotting something. <laughs> but you automatically get a right to talk to anyone with a dog. If that level of commitment's too high, then you can get kids. Because <laughs> when you have kids, you get to hang out around schools and talk to other parents. And that, for me, is a great place to befriend other people. If that is too high, then you can hang out with people who have dogs and hang out with people who have kids or come up with other ways for yourself. But this takes time. This is a long-term mission. You know, this is why we want to keep urging one another into readiness. It starts with friendship and then we can move on to conversation into wanting to tend to talk to people about Jesus because it doesn't tend to happen naturally. But it seems that there's an openness in Amsterdam that people are willing, but they won't initiate, to talk about spiritual things. But they're willing to be drawn into conversation about this. And a friend was saying just how he's had a number of people thank him when he's done this that he's talked about spiritual things with them and asked them spiritual questions and they've begun to think about things they've never thought about before. This can be a gift that we give to people, just the opportunity to speak about what they believe or what they think. We can do this at parties. As I tried to unsuccessfully quite recently, uh, I was trying to, there was a, uh, a guy I'd met, we were talking about Amsterdam and I was wanting to talk about the spiritual needs of Amsterdam to try and, you know, help move the conversation to spiritual things and he heard me and he said, hmm, interesting, and then changed the topic. And that happens and that's okay. Other occasions, uh, I've offered to pray for people because they've shared a need. Because actually I'm a friend, he was a friend, he'd shared a need and I thought, gosh, only God can help and I know you don't believe but can I pray for you? And uh, the first time was super awkward and uncomfortable. The second time was less so. And then actually, about three weeks later, he was saying, look, will you pray for this? I know I don't believe this, but will you pray for me in this? 
we get to speak as well and share about how God kind of can answer some of the small coincidences that happen to us, that when we pray about stuff, sometimes God answers prayers and they're great to share with others as well. That, you know, God, God did this for me. And they might dismiss it as a coincidence and that's okay. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're bringing truth to them that there is a God, that he does answer prayers. Now they may dismiss it, but it may also help them think about what do they believe so I've given us lots to do I want to give us two assists as I'm kind of coming into land so we've laced up our shoes we're going to speak up about what we believe we're going to be built up first by the Holy Spirit and this is what Paul's verses are about He's saying we can pray for boldness. That's what he asked for prayer for. He must have needed it. He was so aware of his lack of ability to preach and to share the gospel. He was aware of his limitations and his dependence on God and we get to ask for boldness too. And in fact, the whole book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, if you do a study of every time the Holy Spirit falls upon people, what happens? The most consistent thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes is they receive boldness to speak of their faith. One example in Acts 4.31. And when they'd prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They pray when they're gathered. They get filled and they can speak with boldness. And that's kind of what next week, our prayer week is all about, is that we're gonna gather and we're gonna pray. Now, I've not been in a situation where the room has shaken, but I have been in a situation where after praying for boldness, I, I felt it. I was aware that God was with me more than before. Fairly recently, I had to uh, go and visit a supplier and, uh, and I thought I'd been warned it could be a bit confrontational. I'm not someone who looks forward to confrontation. And I was praying, you know, God help me. I want some boldness, please. And uh, I went and I found uh, the supplier and we, would, we'd, we kind of talked the business talk we had to talk and it had gone well. And at that point I thought, I'm so relieved, no confrontation, no conflict, let me get out of here. But I just remembered the prayer I'd prayed for boldness. And uh, so then I, with the conversation, I, I then said, because we'd established that I was a pastor, and uh, I said, look, can I pray for your business? At which point his eyes about popped out of his head. This was not something that was gonna be part of his Monday morning. And uh, he politely declined. But I knew at that point, I'd felt a freedom and a liberty that I hadn't expected to. And I knew that at that point, I'd brought something kind of spiritual into his world that he wasn't expecting. So we get to pray for boldness. And the other help is we get to team up. That this, you know, Jesus didn't mean this to be a solo activity. Often it is, because we often find ourselves in different situations on our own. But in Matthew 4, 19, when Jesus says these words, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, his picture of fishing is not with a rod on your own in the countryside. 
Jesus' picture of fishing is with pairs of boats and teams of fishermen who would have a net and they'd kind of trawl through Galilee and it would be physical and it would be demanding and it would take a team. So we need teammates. We need uh, to bring our friends in to our speaking up, to, our, uh, to encourage us to keep the shoes on. I've got a friend who, whenever I had a social engagement, I'd want him to come along too because he was just so good at saying hi to everyone. He was a complete extrovert. And I would always invite him to every social event. He couldn't always make it. But you want to have people like that who you can team it with. Now, hopefully, they're in your community group. If not, then you can you know, get alongside other people in your community group and say, you know, let's try this, let's team up. And that also means that sometimes you're going to parties where you only know the host, but you're going to befriend other people. So find some teammates. We can expect this to be kind of fun because it's about friend making. We can expect that we won't get this right every time and we keep trying, but we can expect that Jesus, because he says he'll make us fishers and men, he will keep working on our hearts and helping us with this. We can trust him. Two thoughts as I kind of conclude. I want to zoom out and look up again. That the point of the armor is to carry the good news. The point of the armor is that we're on the offensive, carrying this message of peace. That there is no more war. That we don't have to struggle anymore to find our place in Amsterdam or anywhere else. We don't have to struggle anymore to find our purpose, our freedom, our liberty, our acceptance. The message is that Jesus has won it for us. This is the message that when you believe in Jesus, you can have ultimate liberty to be who he's made you to be. So I'm hoping I've encouraged us today to lace up our shoes, to speak up, to be built up by the Spirit, and to team up with one another's with one another. Can I invite you to stand? I'm gonna say a short prayer and then hand back to the band. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for your example. We thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Paul's example that he wanted to be prayed for, for boldness and for the right words. And I want to pray that for myself and for everyone else here and everyone else who's watching, that we would have boldness by your spirit to speak up your gospel of peace. I pray, pray that you'd fit our feet with a readiness, that we're ready to uh, be proactive and to be reactive and to speak of your amazing goodness to us. I pray that you'd draw everyone's story to the forefront of their mind and, and help us, God, where part of the battle is there's so many distractions, so many things that can rob us of faith and belief and trust in you. Won't you strengthen us today and equip us? Thank you that you're the one who changes hearts, but you love to use us. We say we're ready today, Jesus. 
Amen.